My name is Emily Lehman, and this is In Layman's Terms podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have Kathy Tucario with me, and she is going to talk about how she's overcome abusive relationships, and she's turned that into a book, and she's overcome lots of trauma in her life. So I'm really excited to have you today, Kathy. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me as a guest. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. So Kathy, you got your nursing diploma and you were a nurse for about 13 years. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And then one massive uh, mental health breakdown changed my life for good, which which is a good thing. But I, I ended up, you know, homeless and depressed and drunk and alcoholic and Oh my gosh, it was so awful, but um, I managed to pick myself up and turn things around. But before I get into that, I should probably talk about how I got to the homeless part. Yeah, I'm very interested. Well, you know, it's funny how things happen when a lot I find through through life, I've noticed a lot of people do the same as I did, is that when when things traumatic things happen, you kind of plow through it and you tuck it away. You don't want to talk about it. And you say, you know what happened in the past days in the past, we're just not going to deal with it. It was a long time ago. It doesn't matter. I have this great career, you know, we'll just focus on that. And what we do is we lock it up in this little, in this vault that we have inside and we just, we just kind of try to forget about it, get occupy ourselves with other things. And that's what I did. And, um, My nursing career really was a platform to help me forget things because I was so busy taking care of everybody else, their chronic illnesses and these things to me that were absolutely horrific. Some, some, some people that what they have to live with that I really downplayed uh, my own, my own problems. And I'm thinking, you know what, when I compare their losing limbs and, you know, whatnot and dying of cancer, dying these horrible deaths, really, you know what, so what, I was sexually abused as a kid, I mean, whatever, it was a long time ago, I grew up in an extremely violent uh, household, Um, I was raped at 14, uh, drugged and raped at 18, I was gang raped at 19, Uh, I had three suicide attempts, I I just, I couldn't seem to put it together, but as soon as I I found out, I, I was going back to school. I put myself through school. I focused so much on that that I forgot everything else. I literally, I put it away. I'm going to focus on my studies. I'm going to focus on becoming somebody no matter what happened to me. But the problem was that in doing so, I didn't deal with any of the the problems that come with child sexual abuse, that come with being told you're useless, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're good for nothing, you're a waste of skin, you pollute the air, you know, the the non-stop. And so I grew up with that such a a low level of self-esteem and self-confidence that even though I'm really good at my job, you know, I'm really good at studying, I'm really good at at, um, taking care of other people. Well, what about me? You know, I didn't have, I didn't have any coping skills in how to, to approach anything like all these rapes, even my mother didn't know about it. I was so ashamed and felt so dirty. Um, I didn't go to the police because I felt it'd be a, he said, she said, and, you know, I didn't have proof. And so I I carried that with me. And I carried it in silence. I, I didn't have a voice. I was nothing like I am today. Um, I was very meek and mild and demure and, you know, so an introvert and didn't want to say anything. 
But so I really put everything into nursing. However, what that does, and I'm going to say this in nursing terms, I'm walking around with a wound inside. And when you don't deal with wounds, what happens? It becomes infected. And if you don't deal with the infection, it becomes septic and it's toxic, right? It can kill you. So in my, in doing so here I am, I'm, I'm almost working two jobs, all, all these long hours and, and forgetting about me. Well, the only way I had to cope with things at the time was that I started to drink alcohol at night, you know, to relax <laughs> after a hard day's work. Glass of wine. <laughs> right. Totally. Like, oh, I worked hard. I deserve it. Well, yeah, that's who very quickly uh, snowballed into something a lot worse. And what happens when you drink? Do you make good decisions? No. <laughs> so I started going out in bars after work. And, you know, uh, anyway, I, I, I for seven years, seven and a half years, uh, right after I was nursing, I was with two really intense domestic violence cases. Uh, just to tell you a little bit, I lived with a shovel on my porch as a reminder of what I'd be buried with. Uh, I was strangled three times to the point of losing consciousness. I had a bodyguard constantly would even follow me to the hospital to make sure I was actually at work. He'd show up on my breaks. Like, you know, um, wow. when I tried to leave, uh, he, he would, he, he would actually stalked me. I'd come home and this, he shouldn't have known where I was, but I'd come home. There's messages on the walls. Like, you know, I'm going to find you. You stupid. You think you can run away from like all these horrible things. That's terrifying. It was. It was very, very difficult. He was uh, this biker guy and he was a known enforcer. So I had absolutely every reason to believe that I would be sold in human trafficking. Uh, it was it was really a rough time. Yeah, he wasn't holding like to say empty threats and took them. No, very seriously. no, this this was very real, very real. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having to send my daughter, um, who was kind of living through all this hell to live with her dad for her safety and that that left me kind of in the air so it, as as much as i'm nursing when i'm at home i'm in in and out of women's shelters nobody at work knew anything because i was really good at wearing that mask that i'm tough man like i got this when in reality i'm a mess like i'm a complete mess yeah so the last time when i escaped i call it the great escape in 2007 he literally he had he was strangling me and he's punching me in the face with one hand. And he said, I'm going to take your bloodied, battered body, tie you up, put you in a truck, roll you down a hill and burn you alive. You stupid, useless, you know, and he says, we're in the Yukon, which is, you know, by Alaska. And he says, do you doubt me? He says, no one will ever find me, find you. And as he's saying that, I pass out. Right. And all I all I remember is I could see his veins popping on the side of his, his temples because he's and he's like right here in my face. And anyway, I wake up and I'm, I'm in my bedroom. He had locked me in and I managed to call. I, he wasn't in the house. I called my friend. He bought me a bus ticket. There's only one bus that leaves a day from there. And I, I had to break down the door. He had taken my bank card. He had disabled my car. I couldn't start the car. And I'm like, oh, my God, like just the stress it was just so much. And I managed I just grabbed a bag full of clothes, you know, whatever. And I, I made it to the bus within two minutes of it leaving. And it's like it was like out of a movie, because as I sit down, like my face is all 
bruise and I'm crying. I sit down, I take a deep breath. I look over Well, that son of a bitch had just, he, he, he was in my car and he'd come to the bus station. He was driving slowly, you know, and here I am sliding under my seat. Like, Oh my God, please don't see me. Please don't see me. It was horrible. It was oh, the bus that took off. Insane. It, yeah. Yeah. But the thing oh. is, here's the thing on that bus ride is like a 36 hour bus ride. I made a few phone calls. I had a job and I had a roof over my head when I arrived. So what I did on that bus was crucial because I went, okay, I'm safe now, right? I got a place. I'm going to have money coming in. I'm, I'm good. So I put that mask on again that, oh, you know what happened in the past days in the past. You got this. I'm going to start over. It's a whole new town. You know how you psych yourself up? Well, that only lasts for so long because by now I'm 40 years old and I still hadn't looked at any of the trauma I hadn't dealt with nothing and so yes I put one foot in front of the other because you need a paycheck right you got bills to pay and I'm trying to get my daughter back yeah but at the end of the day I'm like I'm a mess like I'm exhausted just mentally so tired so it it lasted a year and I show up to work one night and I'm, I'm on night shift I have 10 patients to take care of and I look at my list and I couldn't see the words my mind just shut down. I could not read my, my patient list. And I knew that I, I, I couldn't take care of them. And I knew that I was done pretending that I was okay. And yeah. So, your body's like, I've had enough. I need, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. So I, I just, I went, I grabbed my coat. I quit my job on the spot and I went from the medical unit here down to the, the psychiatric unit. <laughs> and in between the two, I lost my mind, man. It was like 40 years of repressed pain and trauma and, and hurt that just came shooting out like a geyser. I'm and sure. man, by That's the time, a lot. Yeah. Oh, it was. And by the time I hit the nursing, the, the, the psych unit, which is locked, right. I'm pounding on the door. I'm like, let, let me in. in. They called security. They're like, get her out, get her out. <laughs> oh my God. So the security people bring me down to emerge. And it was the first time that I actually spoke to a psychiatric doctor about everything. And wow. I, I spilled beans and, but I was sure he was going to lock me up for a 72 hour assessment. Give me some happy pills, you know, snap me on the forehead. Maybe I'm bipolar. Maybe, maybe I'm multiple personality. Maybe I'm schizo. Maybe there's something, but turns out, he says, because I said, well, are we going? He says, go where? I said, well, aren't you going to take are me you away? Commit me? <laughs> you know, hey. And he says, oh, no. And he says, my dear, there's no amount of happy pills, as you say, that's going to fix you. He says, the only thing that's going to fix you is, number one, you quit drinking. And number two, look at the list of things that, you ha that have happened to you. You need to deal with that. That is the only thing that is going to help you is if you have to go back in the past and look at it, address it, you know, and I thought he was nuts. So, but you know what? I, I took his advice and I went to this uh, 21 day recovery program for alcohol. And it was the most interesting thing because she, she gave me homework and, you know, like on a, on a bottle of water, you have all these little ridges, these lines. Mm -hmm. Well, she gave me a picture of that, of a water bottle. And she said, on every line that you see, I want you to write the date and every traumatic event that has ever happened to you. And she says, you do that. Start from as much, be as detailed as you can and make yourself a timeline. So I did that. At first, I thought this is stupid, but I said, you know what? I'm here for 21 days. Why not? So I did. And it's one thing to know what happened to you in the past. It's a completely different set of, of, of rules when you're actually sitting down writing 
line by line by line, date, event, everything. My sheet had some on the one side of the ball, had some on the other side. I had to flip the page over. I was writing on the other side. And so after the week, I, I went to see the counselor and she says, she looks at my sheet and she says, Kathy, do you really believe 21 days is going to help you fix all this? And I'm like, well, if you put it that way, maybe not. I said, I may have an issue or two. right? <laughs> and so she says, you need long-term treatment, but who can take time off life to do that? I couldn't. What happened was I went back to work. Of course, I hadn't dealt with anything. I'm drinking again. By this time, I lost my career. I mean, I ended up losing everything uh, on the whole. I'm homeless. Uh, I ended up uh, I slashed my arm in a big another. I don't remember doing it. I was drunk, of course. But when I was homeless now, this is the interesting part, because on the seventh day of being homeless, where I was so depressed, I mean, like I'm educated. How does this happen? Like, how did <laughs> right? I get here? Like, how is how this I, me? I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm in this, the worst place on earth. I got my head on the table and I'm looking around at these zombie like people. And I, how does, how did I get here? This is terrible. And on the seventh day, this guy named toothless Joe slaps me on the back and he like, like this, and he's all happy with life. He goes, this is the life live it love it oh my god when he slapped me on the back it was i call it a god smack because it's as if time stopped and i saw everything in slow motion and i'm looking around in my very dismal surroundings and i'm like what did you just say <laughs> what <laughs> i said buddy i don't know if why you why you think this is okay but this is not my life I don't care. Like I actually stomped my foot. You know, I said, this is not my life. And although I had, I had been robbed. I literally, I had nothing. I had no identification. All I had was a shirt on my back, but I had my mind and I, and I made a decision. I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get away from that guy. Like, that's it. I turned around, I went to detox and then I went to a women's program where you live there for a year and it's a faith-based program. You have a roof over your head. You have three square meals, Monday to Friday. You have intense counseling from nine to four wow. every day. You cover anger management. You cover boundaries. You cover codependency, self-esteem. And I took a 12-week sexual assault recovery group, which is the basics of really what I needed. And man, I cried the tears I needed to cry. I wrote the anger letters. I mean, you name it, I did it. And two years within the day, the picture on the cover of my book, this picture, you can't, you can't see it. And I'll, uh, for the listeners, um, two years from the day of toothless Joe to being drunk and homeless and depressed two years later, I'm standing beside the biggest truck in the world. It is literally the tires are 14 feet high. I'm five foot six. So it's huge, right? Yeah. The truck itself is uh, two and a half stories high. It's a house. It's 3,800 square feet. It weighs a million tons. It carries 400, no, it weighs a million pounds. It carries 400 tons of, of dirt on its back. It goes 50 miles an hour, fully loaded. I drive a house. When the box is up, I, it, it's literally five stories high. I'm not kidding. It is massive, right? So the picture on the cover of my book, it's called Dream Big for a reason, um, is I, you can't see it in the picture. I hadn't even been on, on, on the truck yet. It's my first day on site. And I'm looking at the, the guy's taking a picture and I'm actually crying because I'm thinking, 
my gosh, two years ago, I'm standing drunk and homeless. How did I end up in Tonka land over here? Like, this is like another world. <laughs> how does this happen? Totally. How it ha- oh, I know, right? It was kind of mind blowing to me. Like, man, it, it, the miracles that, that can happen to anybody who's in despair, who's struggling. If you keep plowing on, if you make decisions to change they're there they're wait they were waiting for you all along but you can't it won't come to you you have to go get it you know like in like in order for me to even get this job it didn't just land on me you know um i i knew in treatment in in that recovery home for women that i couldn't go back to nursing because as much as i love i put all my identity into nursing it wasn't healthy for me because i didn't know i didn't know how to that boundary line to take care of others, but yet take care of me. I couldn't do that. So how do you change careers? By this time, I'm 42. How do you do that? Right. All I know is nursing. That's it. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I didn't like. I didn't know what I was good at. I'm like, I don't know. So I had to go to a career planning sh- workshop to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up at 42. <laughs> but that that thing was the best thing because after three days of aptitude and personality tests, the lady gives me my sheet back and in big letters on the top, it said heavy equipment operator. And I'm like, heavy equipment operator. I said, that's the most ridiculous career path ever. I said, I'm 42. I'm a woman. I don't like equipment. I'm not mechanically inclined. And it's a man's job. I said, your test is wrong, right? I push her, I give her back the sheet. She puts one hand on her hip, gives me the look and says, if only you'd believe in yourself a little bit, Missy, you'd see the test is right. So she puts on this Les Brown, you know, motivational speaker, one of his videos saying it's possible. And I I start to listen to what he's saying that, you know what, you don't have to actually have the goal, but if you can, do you think it's possible that it happens? And then I started thinking, well, I'm a good driver. I mean, I could drive a truck. I had no idea these trucks existed. I was thinking of just the highway tractor trailer trucks, right? wheeler. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I can travel between Canada and the U.S., back and forth. I'm like, hey, okay, I'll do that. Well, so she sent me to this, this nonprofit that we have here in Canada um, that's called Women Building Futures. And companies sponsor this, this, this business, this nonprofit, to bring women into the trades. So you have electricians, you have plumbers, you have journeywomen, you have crane operators, you have heavy equipment operators, you got all sorts of things. So the day I walked in was the day ExxonMobil, the biggest oil and gas company in the world, just happened to be there that day. First time ever, they show up and they paid for 16 women to take the 12 week course, $18,000 per woman. They paid for it, but 170 women applied. They were only taking 16. Why would they take me? You know why? Cause I had nothing left to lose. <laughs> I mean, I went above and beyond to make sure that I passed all their tests and everything that they wanted me to do to make sure that I got picked because quite frankly, at 42, I didn't want to go pump gas or be a cashier, right? So. Yeah. I did. And I got picked. And out of the 16, I took their 12 week course. And out of the 16, they hired 11 women and I got hired. And that was eight years ago. And since then, I wrote my book, this lovely little baby. I wrote, I hand wrote sitting in the water truck. Wow. Uh, The water truck is so big that it carries 52,000 gallons of water. It's massive. I operate the largest grader in the world. It's My grader is bigger than 
the highway tractor trailers. It's higher than a bigger than an 18 wheeler. That's the size of it's I, when when one comes by me, I'm looking down on the 18 wheeler. Oh how my this gosh. I know. Right. It's, it's unreal. But since then, my book is available in English, French, Spanish. And now it just got translated into Hindi. And I have the Portuguese version on the USB stick. I've written a children's book. I'm working on my third book. Um, I travel the world. I work with Caterpillar. I work with Finning. Um, I work, I, I, I go everywhere I go. I, you can kind of see back there on my wall. For, for readers that can't see it, I have a wall of love. And it's all gifts. I, I speak with students. I go to juvenile homes. I go to women's shelters. I go to prisons. Um, and everything I do is for free because it's not about money. When you go to other countries, people don't have money to pay you. And I really don't care about money, but you know, I would rather uplift people, give them some hope and cur and encouragement that, you know, that it doesn't matter what your situation is. There's resources out there to help you. There really is. Uh, if I can inspire one person, then actually, no, I want to inspire a million people. What am I talking about? One person. <laughs> No, right. But I mean, sharing your story can help one woman get out of a situation like that. I mean, that's so rewarding, I'm sure. So, oh, it is. It is. And so, yeah, my wall of love is just photos from schools, from students. People send me stuff. And on days that I'm having a rough day, I just kind of turn around and I look at why I'm doing the reason I'm doing, you know, and it kind of gives me my motivation back. So, yeah, I got lots on the go lots it's things yeah. are good that <laughs> and you know what the thing i say story that's wild i bought my own house with my very own money two years ago every red cent and i am like if only as i'm turning the key i said if only toothless joe could see me now <laughs> right i'm right? sure somewhere oh my gosh <laughs> you know say that being homeless is good. No, there is nothing good about that. No, <laughs> that doesn't sound enjoyable. I can't oh, imagine. But it's actually it, a couple of days ago, I went to that place. I was with my sister. It's in a different city and we drove by and she'd never seen me at my, at my worst. Cause she was in at the other end of Canada in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lynn, I said, look, this is where I was uh, in 2011. And yeah, you see all these whole, these depressed people. That was me. And if one person out of the a hundred that's there that can rise up and out of there, I'm going to find that person and I'm going to help that person. So she was shocked. Yeah. She was absolutely shocked. Right. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Especially to see like her sister, like, yeah, having to, and, and you'd never like, know it. I was just a cover on a magazine last week. It came out, you yeah. know, it's like, my God, you there. I'm like, uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. And that's, you know, it can happen to anyone, which is, yeah, you know, it can just happen and think life happens and it's important that you know how to pull yourself out of those situations. So for the audience, like what advice would you give the people who are listening, who are still struggling? Oh my gosh. You know, sometimes when you think you're in a dark place, like I was, and you think that it's so hard and heavy that you think you're buried uh, under problems in reality, if you can only try and see it from a different perspective, like for me, I was actually planted. That is where the hardest part is where I was growing the most. And 
Um, there's resources out there. There's, especially now and today, since COVID hit, uh, there's so many free resources online. There's, you can get help. You just have to look for it. As long as you stay sitting on that couch crying, nothing is going to change. Nothing. I, there's one part of my life. I spent three days on the couch lay, laying there, just waiting for God to save me. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I just laid there in such a depressive state. And finally on the third day I'm on my knees and I'm crying and I'm like, man, you know, like I, I got to do something. A song came on the radio, on the TV is from the Foo Fighters, another round. And it's a slow version saying, can you go another round? I will follow you. And as I'm, I'm, I'm questioning myself, can I go another round? Do I have the strength to get back up? Well, son of a gun, I look up and there was uh, a light, a ray of light that came through the window and it touched me in my, in my area here, my heart center. And there was lights that were spinning and um, the song was saying, can you go another round? I will follow you. And I see this light and I said, you'll follow me, will you? Really? So I move over to the kitchen, the light followed me. The light never left my heart center. And I went from the kitchen over to the couch and I jumped up, up and down. The light never left. And it, I, I, I swear I was, I, I'm not, I wasn't drunk. <laughs> I wasn't hallucinating. I saw what I saw. And so I bet I knew then that, you know what, if I could just try again, there'd be help available to me. So I got back on my knees and I'm like, okay, I don't know what you got for me, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. This is in 2009. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And there's a knock on the door. It turns out uh, it was the guy upstairs saying, you know, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? And so he's the one who helped me out. So for those that are struggling, reach out. Um, you can't do it alone. You have to find the resources necessary in your area. Uh, if you go on my webpage, kathytakaro.com, I have a, a page of resources that's all over the States. There's tons of help available um there there's free there's free counseling now there's talk and text there's you don't even have to talk on the phone anymore you can text a counselor there's so much but you have to find someone and if if you talk to someone and he's not listening find somebody else find somebody else find the right person and another thing is step away from toxic people you have to change your environment you have to even if that those toxic people are your family members because i know back in the day my family was very toxic and I had to get away from that if I wanted to heal. I'm not saying forever, but just for a time being so you can sort your problems out, sort your head out, figure out what it is you need, not what they want for you, but what do you want for you? That's the bottom line. It really is. And another thing is, is not to, to believe what other people say about you. You know, your, your, your value doesn't decrease based on somebody else's opinion. I mean, my God, I'll give you a little example. The first time I'm driving this big mother of a truck, the first month, like my self-esteem is really shaky and I'm struggling and I'm like, oh my God, because years of being told how stupid I am. I was a nurse. I can't be that stupid, right? No, but yet no. I believed I was. So here I am, I'm driving the truck and my, my self-esteem is kind of shoddy. And the... I, I get a, a flashback, post-traumatic stress flashback, like all these things. I'm, I'm driving through the, this intersection and all I see in front of me is these, these, the most humiliating moments of my life. These, the, you know, I could hear the voices just yelling at me and, you know, the beatings and just, just these awful moments. And 
it took me, it, it hit me so hard. It took my breath away. And it was like a, a tidal wave from behind. And I'm like, <gasps> I start to hyperventilate and I'm crying and I can't breathe. And I'm trying to drive through an intersection. <laughs> and, I'm like, <gasps> and so, but what I did is I recognized what it was. And I said, Oh, hell no. <laughs> my past does not define who I am. I rolled down the window and there's a, there's a line, lineup of cars and pickups and security people. So I, I rolled down the window and I took that big dark cloud that was hanging. I threw it out. But, and, and I said, my past does not define who I am, but I'm left with this big gaping hole that was painful inside. So you got to replace the negative with the positive. So my only positive at the time is I did the queen wave. <laughs> As I'm going through the intersection, I did the queen wave. You know, hey, this is Kathy. I got my power back saying that, you know what? I fought to get here. And to all those mother, you know, you say all those moms, I can't know all those assholes who told me that I'd amount to nothing. Who's driving this truck? Who is driving this truck? I am. I am. So, yeah. So you got to find that power. Sometimes you got to boost your own ego, you know, find that. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> I did. I had to self-talk my way through a lot of things. And so, you know, it's really easy to fall into that negative. Oh my God, I'm no good. I'm always waking. I'm always making mistakes. And, and we do because we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. But then again, if you focus on that, that's all you're going to see, you know, focus yeah. on the good that you did do. You have to change your mentality a little bit to focus more gotta, on the yeah, I call it flip the than the negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, flip yeah. that switch. Wow. Yeah. How awesome. <laughs> How inspiring. That is incredible. Yeah. It's quite that. the... Actually, I'm in the middle of uh, editing a screenplay to turn it into a movie. Yeah! Yay! Okay, but honestly, when you were like... <laughs> describing like your really shitty situation with that man or whatever, like yeah. down in Alaska. I was like, literally thinking, I'm like, this is like screaming, like a movie to me. I know. Like, I, know. I love watching like deep, dark, twisted, like, you know, thriller, like movies. And I'm like, so that. And especially because it's a true story, right? Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the middle of editing it. It's already written. We did the first draft of the movie. And so oh my I'm just God. saying like, yeah, you put things at, you know, so we're just editing it now. Sure. And where can the audience purchase your book? I'm assuming it's on Amazon, Kindle, uh, Kobo, Barnes and Noble in the States, Chapters Indigo in Canada. Yeah, everywhere. I'm going <laughs> to buy it. I need to read it. That's so crazy. No, you're not. I'm going to mail you one for free because you're an awesome host. Well, I would Text love that. I would love that. Me. I'm a huge reader. I love to read. So that would be amazing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time today. Your story is so inspiring. And I hope oh, good. that the I'm audience glad. and, you know, women who yeah. are listening who may be in a situation like that can, you know, see the light in that there That's is, right. an, you know, another side and they can get out of those situations. And I hope That's you've right. given them hope and strength to <laughs> make some decisions, you know. Yep. And I'm always available. That's the thing. Anybody contacts me on my contact page, I will always respond. Always, always, always. So that's always another avenue. Yeah. You and know? I'll list all of Kathy's social medias, her websites, yeah. everything in the show notes for you guys. So if you ever have a question for okay. her or want to reach out, <laughs> you can. 
But awesome. yeah, Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time today. This was awesome. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. Of they do for the movie. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Everyone stay tuned for the movie. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. And hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode. <laughs>